You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Exodus 3 in your Bibles, I'm going to have you remain seated just because we're going to look at several passages, but I want you to look at Exodus 3 and verse number 12. We read this passage last week as God appeared to Moses and he said that he is the I am that I am. He is Jehovah God. He is everything you need. Aren't you glad for that? He's not just the I was God or the I will be, but he is the I am. He is the uh, all-sufficient, all-powerful, self-existent, and uh, he doesn't need uh, you or me, but we certainly need him, that's for sure. Exodus 3, verse 12, and he uh, said, certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall, what are the next two words there? Serve God upon this mountain. God made the promise to Moses. He said, hey, Moses, you're right here watching the sheep. You've just seen the burning bush. You're right here. But he said, I want to tell you on this mountain, one of these days, you're going to have the entire nation of Israel. They're going to be here and you all are going to be serving me. You're going to be serving God. Praise God for that promise that God gave Moses. Look at Exodus 4 and verse number 22. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. By the way, aren't you glad that we're not just God's people? We're not just God's servants, but we are God's children. If you're here today and you've been saved, you are a child of the king. You've been born into the family of God. Praise God for that. I don't know if that blessed you, but myself and Brother Curry, we got a blessing out of that. Verse 23, and I say unto thee, let my son go that he may, next two words, serve me. God says, I want you to let my son go because I want him to serve me. Notice Exodus chapter 7, verse number 16. And thou shalt say unto him, the Lord God of the Hebrews hath sent me unto thee, saying, let my people go that they may, next two words, Serve me in the wilderness. You see, God sent Moses. He said, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And God wanted his people to be free from Egypt and free from the bondage. But he said, I'm not just bringing you out of Egypt to wander around and do nothing. He said, I'm bringing you out of Egypt because God said, I got a purpose for you. I've got a plan for you. I've got something for you to do. Aren't you glad that God's got a purpose for us today? Aren't you glad that God's not sitting up in heaven scratching his head thinking, oh no, I don't have anything for Brother Glenn Collins to do. I don't have anything for Ralph Graham. I don't have anything for David Dixon. I don't have anything for Billy Miller. I don't have anything for Kyle Tuck. Oh no, God's not in heaven thinking, I don't have anything for these guys to do or any of us. God's in heaven. He's got a plan. He's got a plan for every one of us, and we have been called out of Egypt. We've been saved for a purpose. We'll see that in a moment. Exodus 7, verse number 16, that they may serve me 
in the wilderness. That was God's plan for his people to serve him. Notice Exodus 8, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. There it is again. Chapter 8, verse number 20. Middle of the verse. Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Now, you've probably seen this every time you've read the Bible. I'll be honest with you, I, I know I've seen it, but this last month as I've been reading the book of Exodus, it just seemed like it kept jumping out. We often remember the part where Moses said to Pharaoh, God has said, let my people go. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't end there. God didn't save you to sit around and do nothing. God didn't save me just so we could sit around and talk about our blessed assurance. God saved us for us to serve him. My message this morning is saved to serve. Let's look at Exodus chapter 8. Uh, Exodus 9 verse 1. Let my people go that they may serve me. Exodus 9 13. Let my people go that they may. Boy, thank you for your help. You're doing a good job this morning. Exodus 10, verse number 3. Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long wilt thou refuse to humble thyself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. Exodus 10, verse number uh, 3. Exodus uh, 10, verse number 7. Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Notice Exodus 10, verse number 8. Go, serve the Lord your God. Verse number 11, not so. Go now, ye that are men, and serve the Lord. Wow, are you getting the message here that God had something for his people to do? God was getting ready to do a miracle. He was going to bring them out of Egypt where they had been in bondage for over 400 years with no hope in sight. God said, I'm going to save you, and I'm going to deliver you. Because I've got a job for you to do. I'm going to deliver you so that you can serve me. By the way, notice Exodus chapter 12 and verse number 31 and 32. The Bible says, And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up, get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as ye have said. Also take your flocks and your herds as you have said and be gone and bless me also. It got to the point where Pharaoh said, please go serve the Lord. Please, I'm not going to get any peace. I'm not going to have any rest. I'm not going to have any relief until you go and do what God has called you to do. My message is very simple this morning and I don't mean to insult you by the, uh, the, the, the intellect that is required to understand this. But it's very simple, folks. God has saved us to serve him. See, the children of Israel that came out of Egypt, and we often say that's a picture of salvation, and I believe that's true. We talk about the Red Sea being a picture of coming through the blood, and, and I think that's a good illustration. But can I tell you really where salvation took place for the nation of Israel? When they were in Egypt, the Bible says that they were to apply the blood over their doorposts, right? And when the angel of the Lord saw the blood on their doorpost, the angel of the Lord would pass over. Can I tell you, that's how we get saved. We get saved when we get the blood of Jesus 
covering our sins and cleansing us from all of our wickedness. We get saved when we get born again. Salvation had nothing to do with you or me, but it had everything to do with what Jesus did on the cross. God's people had been saved. They'd been rescued from Egypt, but they were saved to serve. Notice with me, Exodus chapter 1. Say, well, I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to serve God because I'm sure that's going to be hard. Well, I want to tell you this morning, serving God is a whole lot easier than serving the devil. Serving God is a whole lot better than to live for this world and to live for the flesh. The Bible says in Exodus 1, verse 11, that in Egypt they had taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. The Egyptians got nervous. They said, man, these guys, God keeps blessing them. We're harder on them and they just keep doing better and better and they're growing. Verse 13, and the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. You don't have to turn there, but Exodus 5. The Bible says that when Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh and they said, hey, God has said, let my people go, that Pharaoh said, oh, you got too much time on your hands. Apparently, we're not giving you enough work to do. And Pharaoh increased their burden. He increased their workload. They had to work every single day for Pharaoh. And then Pharaoh said, and by the way, you're not getting straw. You're not getting the supplies you need. You're going to have to go find your own supplies and still make the same amount of bricks. You see, they had a master in Egypt. And that master was Pharaoh. Can I tell you who was a better master between God and Pharaoh? God. Can I tell you who's going to be a better master in your life and mine? God. The Bible tells us that in, in the New Testament, Jesus came and he said, he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But the book of Proverbs tells us that the way of the transgressor is hard. Can I tell you what Satan has to offer? You know what your reward is for serving Satan? Heartache, regret, disappointment, failure disillusionment. Can I tell you what your reward is for serving Jesus? Joy, peace, happiness, contentment, crowns and rewards in heaven. You're, 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 you, don't, you don't serve to get to heaven. That's a gift. That's the blood of Jesus that paid for that. But God says, if you will serve me, he says, I'm going to bless you for it. I want to tell you, the devil doesn't have those kind of rewards to offer people that have gotten messed up in drugs and alcohol and people that have gotten messed up in sin, can I tell you what they have to show for it? A lot of scars, a lot of disappointment, a lot of heartache. But can I tell you, when you and I serve the Lord, sweeter gets the journey every day. Serving Jesus really pays. It's wonderful to serve God. You know why we serve the Lord? Because we love Him. We serve Him not because we have to, but because we get to. And I want to encourage you this morning with this thought, we have been saved to serve God. What a privilege it is for us to serve Him. Lord, I pray you'd help us these next few moments.
Would you speak to our hearts? And would you please give us exactly what we need from your word today? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've told the story, I think, before. But there was a man who began, who founded the Salvation Army. The Salvation Army, it began exactly like it's named. It was an army of soul winners. It was an army of people that were going out to give the gospel so that people could be saved. Salvation Army. The founder of that organization was a man by the name of William Booth. William Booth founded the Salvation Army and that was their mission was to train men and women to go out into the community and tell people how to be saved. By the way, that's the job of every Christian to go out and to share the good news of the gospel. We have been given that commission. A Victory Baptist Church, we ought to be a Salvation Army. I don't mean that we have set up a shop and I don't mean that we accept donations and do all that. I'm talking about an army that goes out and shares the gospel with people that are on their way to hell. General William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, was called one day to visit the Queen of England. He went before the Queen of England and he had the opportunity to sign her journal. As he signed the journal, he signed his name and beside his name, he signed three words. Those three words are the title of the message this morning. He wrote the words, saved to serve. That was his mission. That was his purpose. And can I tell you, friend, God saved you and God saved me because he has given us an opportunity and a privilege and a responsibility to serve him. Now, maybe you're here today and say, Pastor, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I've been saved, but I'm not serving God. Well, by the time you leave this morning, it is my prayer that God will speak to you about something that you can do to serve him. General Booth passed away, and at his funeral, his son spoke. And his son said about his dad, he said that his dad was one of the happiest men he ever knew. He said this, he said, if you were to ask me, I think I could say the happiest man I ever knew was my dad. He was a glad spirit. He rose up on the crest of the stormy billows. He praised God. He laughed at the devil's rage and he went on with his work with joy. Wouldn't that be great if people would say that about us? Boy, those folks at Victory Baptist Church, man, they may not be all there, but they sure are happy. Man, those people, they're fanatical. They go to church more than just Easter and Christmas. They go to church every Sunday. They don't just go to church, they serve. They're involved. Uh, they, they act like Christians Monday through Saturday. They talk like Christians. They look like Christians. They dress like Christians. Uh, they, they listen to music that's even Christian music. I'm telling you what, and not only that, not only do they act like Christians, but they're happy about it. I've known some people that they acted like Christians, but they weren't very happy about it. You would have thought that they were serving a life sentence. Never to have fun, never to have joy, never to get to have anything exciting happen in life. Well, I got news for you, friend. That's not the Christian life that Jesus came to give you. He came to give you life and life more abundant. You and I can have the joyful Christian life when we serve him. Number one, how do we serve him? Number one, we must be separate from the world. I want you to notice with me in Exodus chapter 11 and verse number seven, we see that God makes a point here to say that there was going to be a difference between the Egyptians and the Hebrews. 
It says in verse 7, but against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that ye may know how the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. Now, can I tell you something? This is so powerful. God saved his people while they were in Egypt, but he didn't want them to stay there. And you and I, we are in this world, but we're not supposed to be of this world. We're not supposed to be like this world. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. The Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Say, well, does that mean that we're better than everybody else? Absolutely not. We are all just a bunch of sinners. And if there's anything good in us, let me tell you, it's all because of God and it's not because of me or you. But the only, the only thing good in us is because of Jesus. But if we've got Jesus living inside of us, there ought to be a difference between us and someone that does not have Jesus living inside of them. People ought to be able to tell. There ought to be a difference in how we live. The Bible says that we are to come out from among them and be ye separate. The Bible says in the book of Acts, it likens the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and it calls the nation of Israel a church in the wilderness. That's really the first reference to a church in the Bible referring to the children of Israel. Now, did they have a pastor? Did they have deacons? Did they have the Lord's Supper? Did they have baptism? No, 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 no. But you know what the children of Israel had in the wilderness? They had a group of people that had been, had been saved and had been called out of the world. That's what a church is. A church, an ecclesia is the Greek word. It is a called out assembly of believers. You know what we're doing today? We are coming together. We are coming out of the world and we are assembling so that we can go back into this world and not be just like the world, but so we can go back into this world and make a difference for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. There ought to be a difference. Number one, there's separation. You see, Israel was in the world, but they were saved. And as soon as they got saved, as soon as the Passover took place, God said, get out of here. You're not supposed to stay in the world. God said, I've got something better for you. He said, I've got a promised land. I've got a place of victory. I've got a place where the, the milk and honey flow. I've got a place that's better than this old world. And I want to tell you, friend, if you've never gotten out of the world, if you've never gotten separate from the world and sanctified to God, you are missing out because what God has to offer is a thousand times better than anything this world could ever dream of. Serving the Lord is the greatest life in all the world. But so many Christians are miserable because they want the best of both worlds. And can I tell you, that happened to Israel. They got into the wilderness on their way to the promised land, and guess what they kept saying? We ought to go back to Egypt. We need to get back to Egypt. Oh no, it was better for us in Egypt. Oh, we need to get, and can I tell you, friend, you're going to be miserable as long as you're straddling the fence. If you're, trying to, if you're trying to straddle the fence and you're getting pulled from both sides, it's going to be miserable. It ought to be a desire to say, I want to be different. I want to be separate. I want to be like Jesus. And I want to get out of the thinking and the mentality of this world. Number one, separation. Number two, 
is surrender. Would you turn with me to Exodus 10? Exodus 10, verse 26. Now, I told you I needed some help at the beginning in the scripture reading. I failed to mention I'm going to need some help through the message, too. If I say something, uh, if I say something that's not true, then we'll talk about it after the service, okay? But if I say something that's true, and you say, wow, that's good, I needed that, then just, just go ahead and shout an amen or hallelujah or praise the Lord or that's right, and I promise you it will help me and it'll help us, okay? So don't die on me now, okay? We're not done yet. We're not there. We're not headed to lunch yet. Exodus 10, verse 26, Moses said to Pharaoh, he said, verse 25, thou must give us also sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Our cattle also shall go with us. There shall not an hoof be left behind, for thereof must we take to serve the Lord our God. And we know not with what we must serve the Lord until we come thither. The word I want to give you is the word surrender. Here's what Moses said to Pharaoh. He said, listen, he said, we've got to take our animals with us. Because he said, when we get out there in the wilderness, we're not sure what God's going to want. He might want our animals. He might want all those. So we don't know, but we're taking our animals with us because whatever God wants, we're giving him. Easy, easy for them to say, right? <laughs> A little harder for us to say, because what if God asks for something that you don't want to give up? What if God says, hey, I want you to be willing to give this up? And you say, oh, oh, not my golf game. And by the way, I'm not saying God's going to ask you to give up your golf game, so don't panic. Oh, I don't know if I could give up that. I don't know if I give up that hobby. I don't know if I could give up that event on the schedule. Can I tell you, whatever God asks for, I hope we'll say yes. I hope we'll say, Lord, whatever you want, I surrender all. You know, we, we have those invitation songs that, boy, they sure sound good. Unless you're thinking about what God might speak to you about. You say, oh, I'm not sure I'm willing to give that up. But Moses said, we got to take our cattle. Now, he said, we don't know what God's going to want. But whatever God wants, he gets. We are surrendered to God. As a matter of fact, they followed God. They didn't even know where God was taking them. They didn't know what was going to happen the next day, the next step. But they said, we're going to follow God, whether it's a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire, whatever God wants, wherever he leads, we are surrendered. Would you say this morning that you're surrendered to whatever God wants you to do? Whatever God speaks to you about, would you say yes to God? Number three, the word is sacrifice. It's found in Exodus 5 and verse 8. We just read it in Exodus 10 also. But notice Exodus 5. I like this. Verse number 8. Pharaoh's talking now about the increasing the burdens, but he says, And the tail of the bricks which they did make heretofore, ye shall lay upon them. Ye shall not diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. Therefore they cry, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Now Moses was asking Pharaoh, he said, he said God said, Let my people go that they may serve me. But Pharaoh says, I know what you really want to do. You want to go and you want to sacrifice to God. Now, keep in mind, all these herds and all these animals, these were not pets. These were not just a hobby. These animals were the livelihood of the children of Israel. 
Remember when Joseph was uh, elevated in, in uh, Egypt and he called for Jacob and his brothers to come and they came and they brought all their cattle, but because the shepherds were an abomination to the Egyptians, Joseph said, you're going to have to stay right over here in Goshen. That's going to be your spot. So when God asks them to sacrifice their animals, we're talking about that's their money. That's their occupation. That's their income. That's their survival. And can I tell you, they were willing to sacrifice. They were willing to give up whatever it was that God wanted. You don't have to turn there, but in Romans 12, the Bible tells us that as Christians, that we are to be a sacrifice. Now, we're not talking about an animal on an altar that's been killed, that's burned as a sacrifice. We're not talking about that. That was the Old Testament. That was the, the, the Jewish worship. But God says in Romans 12 that we as Christians, we are to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. There it is. See, sacrifice and service, they go together. You say, well, I'd like to serve God, but I'm not willing to give up anything well, then you're not really willing to serve God. If you're saying, well, I'll serve God, but I'm not, not if it costs me anything. Well, that's not serving God. There must be some sacrifice. First Peter chapter two, the Bible says, not only are we a sacrifice, but we are a royal priesthood. You know what the priests did in the Old Testament? They offered the sacrifices. And you know what we're supposed to do to God? We're supposed to offer ourselves a living sacrifice and say, God, whatever you want from me, my life belongs to you. I'm willing to give it all. Now, let me ask you this morning, when was the last time that you sacrificed for God? You say, well, pastor, I'm here this morning. It's 11.56. I have given up an hour of my time to come to church. I'd say that's a pretty big sacrifice. I would disagree with you. I think coming to church, I think that's just an expected thing. I think that's just being a Christian. I don't think it's a sacrifice because we give God an hour on Sunday and then we spend the other 23 doing what we want to do on Sunday. But when was the last time you sacrificed? When was the last time you got up a little earlier? When was the last time you gave up something? When was the last time that you did something for somebody in need that maybe was going to require not just you giving of your surplus, but you giving of what was going to be needed for your needs to be met? See, we don't do a lot of sacrificing today. We offer God what we have left over. Many times our Christianity is a Christianity of convenience but may God help us to be willing to sacrifice and to give God, not just some, but to give God all. My last thought is this word service. We've been talking about it. We've been saved to serve. God had created the nation of Israel, not just to sit in Egypt, not just to wander in the wilderness, not just to bask in the, the glory of the promised land, but he had created them to serve him. We have been created as well for a purpose. And that purpose is to serve God. The Bible says in Deuteronomy, we are to serve God with all of our heart. Now, you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to point. And you certainly don't have to admit that you're the one. But do you know somebody at the workplace that shows up at work, 
does the minimum, gets there as late as possible, leaves as early as possible, does just enough so they don't get fired, and that is their service to the company, right? That's not serving with all your heart. Can I tell you, in God's work, I think we need some Christians that'll say, I'm going to serve with all my heart. I'm going to put my heart into it. You say, well, why would I want to do that? Um, because Jesus gave his life for you. Because Jesus died on Calvary so that we could have eternal life. And, and, and if Jesus could die for us, I think the least we could do is live for him. But serve the Lord with all your heart. Joshua says we're to serve God with our family. As for me and my house, Joshua said, we will serve the Lord. I'm thankful for family time. I think we all need to have time we spend with our family. You, need to, uh, you say, ah, we do a vacation once a year. Good, you ought to do a vacation. But don't wait once a year to spend time with your family. But can I tell you a great opportunity to spend time with your family is serving God together. Coming to church together. Going to help somebody together. Serving God with your family. It says in Psalm 2, we are to serve the Lord with fear. Now, I know some of you are probably thinking, well, you know, Pastor, I'm a nursery worker. And when I see my name on that list, I do serve the Lord with fear. You're probably fearful my child's going to be in the nursery, that particular service, you know, or my kids are going to be in the junior church. Say, I know what it's like to serve God with fear. I tremble every time I go in. No, 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 that's not what it's talking about. That word fear means awe. Wow. We get to serve God. What a privilege. What, what an amazing thing that the creator of the universe would choose to use us in his work. Serve God with fear. And then it says in Psalm 100, we are to serve the Lord with gladness. I like it when people around here, we serve the Lord. I love it when you see people that are still smiling. They're happy about it. Queen of Sheba, she came to see Solomon and she saw all the, the wisdom of Solomon and all the wealth of Solomon. But here's the thing that stood out. She said, Solomon, your servants are happy. That's unusual. Normally servants are just enduring the work, but your servants are enjoying it. And I tell you, that's the way I want to serve God. I want to serve the Lord with gladness. Now, we've got a few other things I'd like to say. For sake of time, I'll just say this and I'll be done. Did you know that serving God, you've got to keep your eyes on God? If you're here today and you say, you know, pastor, I'm serving for brother so-and-so. I'm serving for sister so-and-so. I'm serving because of this person or that person. It's the wrong reason to serve because we're not serving people. We're serving God. Because what happens when a person disappoints you? What happens when somebody says something to you or they don't say something to you that they should have said? They should have said thank you or they should have done something. What happens then? Well, then we get upset and we're saying, I'm done. Well, then I would say to that, you're right. You are done serving that person or that person because you weren't serving the Lord. If a person can get you out of serving God. If I decided that I was only going to serve God as long as everybody was nice to me. 
I wouldn't be here today. And by the way, neither would you. So if we're serving God, we've got to keep our eyes on Him. Serve the Lord, and you and I have been saved for the purpose of serving Him. That's why we're here. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.